0: (laughs) (laughs) i
1: hit it harder and it recorded so stupid (laughs) we are back with the final episode we have finished oblivion by david foster wallace and i couldn't be happier (laughs) to be done with something uh today's story is really poopy it's very shitty in the most literal shittiest thing i've ever
0: read
1: if if you get any takeaway from this as a review or anything it's this story was shitty Um, absolutely we are covering the Suffering Channel, which you mentioned off air might as well have been a novella because it is novella length. It's hundreds. Of, it feels like it felt like a thousand pages. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, um, it felt like Old Man in the Sea was like a lot shorter than this. <laughs> <laughs> Old Man talking
1: about fish <laughs> for 15,000 15, years of just fish talking. Somehow that was that was more entertaining than what i read here and i don't know why because this, this had bits where i was like okay i like this and then it just something happened that i didn't because <laughs> yeah, i'm sure the audience is in great suspense right now this story is about poop more specifically <laughs> this story is about the artist not a artist the artist as he's referred to by wallace who makes perfectly sculpted dumps <laughs> Yeah. I think one of them was uh, the the Marilyn Monroe holding the skirt up over the sewer grate. I think that was one of his poops. I um, don't
0: even remember all of them.
1: I could just be making that up. I don't know, but that's the that's the idea. He doesn't sculpt them afterward. They come out of his his uh rectal area perfectly. <laughs> See, with the uh, 2022 <laughs> <laughs> with modern 2022 vision, I feel like I'm reading this different than what it was when it was written, because now I'm thinking of it as not his butt muscle, like his his sphincter muscle, like contracting and contorting to make this sculpture. I'm thinking of like a 3D printed, his whole rectal tube just forms into the shape of the object. And then he poops (laughs) it out that way.
0: Um, Maybe this was a prophecy. Maybe he's like, yeah, there's just going to be these gigantic machines that just shit out art.
1: (laughs) I didn't get that takeaway, but that's pretty much where we're headed, I guess. Okay, so I'm going to give the most briefest synopsis of this story because it's really not worth talking about that much, in my opinion. I just want to be done yeah. with the oblivion stuff. So, <laughs> Skip Atwater is a salary man who works for Style Magazine. It's located in uh, World Trade Center Building 1. And he gets tasked, or he comes. I don't know. I couldn't fucking decipher whether this was his stupid idea or what, but. He finds this guy who poops these amazing statues or something (laughs) in Indiana, so he wants to cover this for a human peace story, something along the lines of, like, uh, I I forget what they they had some acronym for it, but, uh, you know, World's Incredible. There's always acronyms. Yeah, some kind of World Incredible bullshit, uh, Wondrous World, something like that. So, it was like a thing for the magazine, and he's trying to pitch it to the editors and stuff, and this magazine, what I understood, was just made up of interns. Like, this guy was the only paid person who even worked here, it seemed like. Everyone else was a fucking intern other than maybe, like, one of the editors, so.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. I was like, is everyone here not paid, or does intern mean something different?
1: There were so many interns, right. and there was a stark contrast between, which I did like this, where he's in Indiana, which is his home state, and he's meeting this weird guy, this weird artist, and his morbidly obese wife that's, <laughs> we'll get into that. I like the contrast between that. And then, like, the American Psycho style, I got a feeling of, like, 80s and 90s New York consumerism. Like, almost like the stock exchange. Like, this hubbub never-ending. Everybody's a fashionista, you know. Oh, what's your business yeah. card made of? Oh, my God, is that <laughs> white? No, it's bone. Like, you know, American Psycho <laughs> bullshit. Like, that's what, like, a lot of this story was. Uh, but there was an interesting contrast, and that was with these weird interns. And there was a scene where I actually did like where the interns are all discussing poop because he really does break down the poop and people's ways of growing up that makes them poop a certain way, like childhood childhood traumas, how they're trained to poop. And then like these uh, these stupid interns, like they just discuss all those things about pooping and different people's pooping habits. And there's one <laughs> scene or one. uh <laughs> there's one story with a guy or girl somebody tells about a guy's going down on his woman and she farts and it's very robust and like it's so that's the kind of humor we're dealing with here but it was very interesting how he told these stories and (laughs) broke down the psyche of how people go to the bathroom and how it's intimate and some people think of it as gross and like he had because there was another part later on too about that
0: there's that one girl who was like did you ever think of it as like a baby and like yeah. you're holding on, and you have to say bye like, bye as you flush it. And you want to put it in a stroller and
1: walk around with it. Everybody just looked like, at her. What are
0: you doing? Stop huh. doing cocaine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so this, so that was wild. And then later on, there's a part where they break down, uh like the the habits of pooping in a different way. Where poop's only gross after it comes out of you, but in you, it's just like an organ. You don't think about it. And then they're like, Oh, he gives them multiple examples. Like, Oh, do you think skins gross? Well, no, I mean, you see it every day, but what if you looked at the table and there's just a slab of skin? you are like, oh, yeah, fucking gross. It's disgusting. <laughs> so he broke down, like, the different way, like, it was a good psyche breakdown of just how people think, where, yeah, poop's not actually gross until it comes out of you, because that's when you see it and you think of it, and then another example was, well, why isn't saliva gross when it's in your mouth and you swallow it? But if you filled a glass with it and then swallowed it, it's fucking revolting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you want a good like breakdown of just the inner workings of people's minds that you've never thought about, this is a good story for that. Uh, but going back to the main narrative, if you could call it that. Wow. Um, there's also something that the name of the story, The Suffering Channel, it's like a TV channel and some cable thing. And it works... In conjunction with the Style magazine, like it's a parent, like it's a part of the same company or the owner. So I didn't, I I was, at some point I was flipping through and I was just like speed reading. So I didn't really pay attention to some (laughs) of that. But the Suffering Channel basically is this TV channel that's just like awful news. It's just like, oh, you know, a mother with terminal cancer raising her kids is dying in the hospital ward. The parents find the remains of their 13 year old daughter who was raped and murdered, like things like that. He actually listed it in like a list form at some point. I'm like, what the fuck does this have to do with anything? It's very jarring. I don't remember. Also, I don't remember if I mentioned this because this is very pertinent to the story. This because I said they're in the World Trade Center where the style magazine is located. The issue with the the poop artist is supposed to be released on September 10th, 2001. So obviously the next day, the all those people were dead in the World Trade Center. I, if, I don't know if the issue would actually be released. there's no re- resolution of course uh, i don't know if the issue would actually be released or if it's just you know the, the whole company's done because they got blown up so i would imagine that it's just not going to happen or if it did get released like nobody's going to care because obviously 9-11 was a much bigger deal than this guy pooping masterpieces um, <laughs> And we'll infer what that means, uh, what Wallace meant by that, uh, in a little bit. But I just found mm, yeah. like that was going to be a thing where it's going to be this crazy ending, and oh my god! And it that doesn't you don't get to that point. No, nah. um, of course not. Why would we have the one thing that's most interesting about the story take place? Fuck that!
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> <I> barely mentioned. <laughs> this it, is Wallace we're talking about. <laughs> yeah,
1: he knows how to <laughs> rivet up the tension.
0: Have you ever read an auto manual? Still more exciting.
1: Oh, Ooh, I, I. I I found the perfect example of why I don't like Wallace's writing style right here. There's this there's a scene later we'll discuss where this uh Skip Atwater guy, the the salary man who's covering the story, he's with the morbidly obese woman in the car, right? Um, <laughs> uh, we'll bring her up in a minute, but there's just a, a part maybe,
0: maybe we should say rather than morbidly obese, B B W. Just yeah, so that we can hot. be inclusive and positive about well, it. Well,
1: in the story she's super hot somehow. Like I didn't we'll get to that. But here's the, <laughs> the perfect epitome of why wallace's writing style is just not for me there's a scene where she just gets like she's just taking her seatbelt off getting out of the car this is how he wrote this sentence he watched her begin trying to disengage her seat's restraint system why why would you say it that way yeah. she took she tried to take off her seatbelt that's it why does it have to be disengage her seat's restraint system like the way he says and the it's, way it's, it's so clinical yeah, it's like, i don't understand
0: the the way he's doing that it um, if you were to just read it in this story, you would think, okay, well, maybe this this character has just got a very analytical and removed way of thinking, but it's literally the the voice of all the characters throughout all of his stuff is exactly the same unless he's yeah. trying to be like sarcastic and snarky, like with the uh, the girls and all the interns. And then it's like but then I'm like, oh man, i I totally reside with that that makes more sense. I like that style of talking and description because it makes sense. I don't need. Oh, and he reached for the doorknob and twisted it, engaging the unlocking <laughs> mechanisms to step forward through the port. I'm like, dude, just shut. Get to the point. Just open the and fucking man. door. All
1: she had to do is take the seatbelt <laughs> off. She didn't need to, to and disengage the restraint. Like, stop. And like you said, it's <laughs> feel every like that sto- could be
0: a sci-fi thing. It's like the captain's like, disengage the restraint system.
1: <laughs> it's just every everything's written like that, and. It comes off so clinical and automated and artificial that I just can't help but think that Wallace might have been an android. I mean, is there any other way to decipher that? I just don't know. Um, But going back to this story, so here's the quick synopsis besides what I already said. Zatwater guy goes to Indiana, meets this weird guy who reminds me of Sling Blade. What was (laughs) was his name in that? He had to have a name, right? I think it was Brent. No, no, the, the guy's name in the story is Brent, the artist, but in Sling Blade, Billy Bob Thornton's character, his name wasn't Sling Blade. What the oh. fuck was his name in that? I don't Brent Billy Bob Thornton,
0: right? Everyone's Billy Bob Thornton. Sorry. He's always Billy Bob
1: I'd rather discuss Sling Blade than the, this story, but you know what? We can't. We have <laughs> to do the fan service here, so. uh, So he goes to Indiana. To service the fans. And Wallace proceeds to spend the rest of the story discussing how morbidly obese this woman is, but also very sexually enticing somehow. Like, her elbow is the size of a man's kneecap. Her face is the size of, like, a skillet or a frying pan or something. She's all-encompassing, and at some point she molesters the guy, <laughs> our, our uh, editor <laughs> guy here, in a car, when the car literally just starts falling apart because she's so big in it and just...
0: It's like leaning to one side, yeah, isn't it? It's like the axle bends the and... <laughs> And I assume that
1: was a sex scene that happened, but I don't know how it would have happened um, if this woman was so big because they were in like a small car too.
0: Um, it just felt like a freaking cartoon. I'm like, there's no way you're being so analytical about everything and precise, and then you're gonna say her eye was the size of a coffee cup. I'm yeah. like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, it just it, it didn't make, make
1: sense. Like her finger was so fat, she put it over his lips, and it was like the size of his whole nose. Like it just covered his mouth, and I'm like. Oh, how are you going to make a sweet sexual love to this big big beautiful bodacious woman. <laughs> uh but she was very predatory it came across to me because she was a yeah. lot more in- intelligent than anyone uh gave her credit for at the beginning and then she uh clearly just wanted to be famous and how was she going to be famous by fucking making lots of money off her husband's poop art and he You're was exploiting uh, her husband. And the reason why uh he was so weird is cuz he was very like abused as a child. And I'm not going to go into that cause it gets very gross, but he gets abused as a child and ends up, uh, very shy about his bathroom habits, which makes it like, how are you going to record this guy dumping <laughs> when he, uh, yes. <laughs> he can't poop when anybody's even in the house. It didn't make sense. Like how they would go about this. And, uh, Wallace, I-, I found something online that pretty much sums up my opinion of the, the meaning of this story, I guess, if you can really get one. Um, is it
0: pornography? Is that what you found?
1: I wish it was. Um, <laughs> so the central thrust of this story, in the end, everything is ultimately for nothing and that the majority of of our work fuck, can't read, and that the majority of our work will not have any long-lasting appeal in the face of greater, more powerful events in human history. Like, that's where the 9-11 aspect comes in because they do all this work, this whole fucking novella-sized story to get this guy's stupid poop art and make it a you know is should this be like a human interest story or should this be like about how sad this guy is like they go through all these angles and all this stuff and do all this ridiculous work for such a stupid topic and then it's going to mean absolutely nothing because 911 happens and that obviously just fucking destroys this dumb story so you get that aspect and then uh there's a, another side aspect i don't know if this was uh something wallace was trying to deliberately like the way he did it was so cartoonish i don't know if it was like an actual point he was trying to make but he discussed like the reality television and stuff and one of the guys maybe the guy who ran the suffering channel i don't even know at this point but uh he he thought about uh starting his own show or something celebrity shitting and he just Wallace proceeds to just list like a whole page worth of celebrities from Oprah to Marilyn Monroe <laughs> or Marilyn Manson. Or I don't know. He like
0: takes a break halfway through yeah. and then continues it. Back. I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> Tom Cruise. He, he brings up Martha Stewart in her Connecticut mansion and like he gets real descriptive <laughs> with some of them. And it's just all about like this guy wanting to. He has this big grand idea that eventually we'll have a TV show about celebrity shitting. And here's the thing: when I read that, I was like, one hundred percent. If that was a show, people would watch the fuck out of that.
0: And that's
1: that's that's where I thought maybe that was another thing he was trying to point out is how ridiculous (coughs) celebrity worship culture is. And uh, because he did mention like all these celebrity boxing and all that stuff. And as Americans, we just worship celebrities. So something as gross and mundane as shitting would be something I would imagine a lot of uh, the lower hominids on this planet would be in, involved in watching. They, they would want to watch that. Uh, I personally wouldn't want to watch that, but I would have a, fa- uh, <laughs> some kind of curious. I don't know. I don't want to say I'd be curious. I would watch it. Fuck it. I would, <laughs> would want to see like, what, what, what's this about? <laughs> Celebrity shitting. Don't talk-
0: <laughs> don't take over the DVR. Don't, don't.
1: <laughs> he talked about the, the noise and everything would be involved. Like, all kinds oh of camera angles, and all, but you know what? Who am I to kid? I would at least turn it on once to see what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I don't.
0: It's freaking ridiculous.
1: It would get so gross, and how much would you have to pay celebrities for that? I don't know. It would Probably start off. Much. It would start off with the lower celebrities, like the D list, the YouTubers, the they're below D list. So YouTubers <laughs> and TikToks, and then eventually one of the higher Logan Paul types will break in. And then they're like, "Oh shit, maybe real celebrities will actually do this." And then you'll get like, I don't know, Carrot Top or something. <laughs> Who, who's the female Carrot Top? Pusha T. What, what's uh? Oh, I forget her name. The redheaded goon. Um, she looks worse than Carrot Top actually. Kathy Griffin, Griffith, Griffith, <laughs> whatever. She, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get those types. Um, we went on a bad, <laughs> bad. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. No, that was the wrong path to go down. But <laughs> the point is, let's bring it back to the book here. Uh, what was your takeaway from this book? Or the story rather, um, not the book. We'll cover the book at the very end since we are finished.
0: Um, the story it was more readable and more easily readable than on a lot of them. As stupid as the story was and as cartoonish as some of the stuff was, it was at least a little more enjoyable than, you know, reading the philosophy of nature and all that stuff where it's just one block of text and it's just hyper analytical and I thought what he did with the uh, the scene breaks, using the arrows to kind of say, like, hey, we're going to continue down this trail. We're going to go back on this one. Hey, we're moving the story forward. Yeah, that was unique. I thought I thought that was pretty cool. And then I kind of forgot. So the initial reading, I kind of forgot that it takes place the day before 9-11. And so I didn't even have the, the, oh, everything is pointless and there is no point to anything and woe is me and all art is shit. Um, Sort of thing. I took it. My initial read through was that it's pretty much anything can be created into some grand piece of art. It just takes people time to get used to the idea and they have to validate that it does have worth. And then eventually over time, more and more people will kind of validate that and more people will agree and pile on and it'll become, you know, a more acceptable thing until it's like, of course, why wouldn't anyone think this? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Pokemon cards are totally worth millions of dollars. Why wouldn't, you know, anyone think that cartoons and electric mice wouldn't be worth this much money? So it's like, you know, you can look around and see all these these things that we take for granted. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's actually really stupid. But we've all agreed that it has worth in our society and culture for some reason.
1: Well, Wallace so. did an excellent job, in my opinion, of showing at the beginning how ridiculous this excremental art it really is. <laughs> like Everyone's just like, one, they didn't even want to be involved in it. The editors or whoever was in this magazine didn't want to read it, didn't want to look at the pictures, didn't want anything to do with it. They just turned it down immediately. And he ends up having to like sneak the pictures in somehow so the lady looks at it without realizing that that was the poop art. But she finally when they got to it that's when he like he goes from look how ridiculous this stupid idea is this is the most dumb idiotic thing ever could that be art though and then actually makes you think through the story uh, progressively could that be art and then at some point it Mm -hmm. becomes reasonable we're like that that is art yes even though it's gross Mm -hmm. and we don't know how this guy is doing it just the you know how they broke like how he breaks down like through the interns mainly. The humanity, lack of humanity, all the, these different elements he talks about, and it makes you look at the art. Almost how, like, I imagine people try to pass off modern art, and I always think it's just hoo-ha bullshit. Like, oh, the color red, and you just look at it, and it's supposed to make you feel certain things. Like, this whole, it's just a red square. Why is this $30 million? But, if <laughs> if you fucking break it down enough, you can make that art by just, oh, well, actually the red is supposed to make you feel this certain kind of way. And then it, it amplifies the attitudes of the American, like it just goes on and on. Uh, so they, he actually does that with this story and breaks down the poop to the point where you're like, Oh yeah, I can see how that would definitely be art. I don't
0: know.
1: I don't know who would want to <laughs> buy that, but I can see how it goes. I can see who'd want that. So my overall takeaway of this story was it was more entertaining than a lot of the other ones in here. Uh, he did a good job of like ratcheting up the tension like he did in the uh Soul is not a smithy story. Uh, this mm-hmm. this one yep. was with the uh the sexual nature in the cart, this big woman. Like that whole scene mm-hmm. where he's in the cart that lady just plays out where I'm just like, Are they gonna have sex? Is she gonna rape him? How is this gonna play out? And they're <laughs> That's in That's like, what it came
0: across as. And I'm it's like, basically no. how
1: they're trapped out like in this car because there's like a tornado almost coming outside. Like it's just a horrible storm. And I'm just like, what is it gonna happen here? Like I was actually very curious How that was gonna play out, and then I was actually kind of disappointed how it played out. But I was very curious how it was gonna play out. And then he did get blood. For for anybody interested, he did get a knee injury. (laughs) Big woman leaning on him. But like the way that plays out, you're really interested to see how that goes. And he breaks it. He keeps breaking it up by going back to the interns and going back to the suffering channel and just different things. So you just like, what? No, I don't care about this. I want to go back and see how that part unravels. So he did a good job of that. Still not my favorite story in the collection. And I I did find I was skipping paragraphs near the end because I just didn't care anymore. Uh, And it affected the story none. Like the story (laughs) outcome was no different in my mind because I skipped paragraphs because it was just like, I would look like there's a scene where they're in a gym. That's when I started skipping because it just go went into the uh, fitness equipment and them running and exercising. I was like, oh, yeah, I just all I did was just skip to each line of dialogue and just skipped all the descriptors and nothing changed. Uh, <laughs> it was like just fluffy nonsense that he adds to these stories and where it was purposeful in some of the beginning stories like the Mr. Squishy. This one, I don't see a purpose either. Like we discussed in. uh A couple of the other ones. What was the purpose of adding all this extra information? There's none. Yeah. It it didn't add to the story. It didn't change the story. And it wasn't a central point to the story. So why have it at all? Just tell the fucking story with all the, you know, disengaging restraint systems. (laughs) You don't have to do all that.
0: All (laughs) right. So if you were to, like, look at the book as a whole, what's your rating? And then if you were to pick, like, two stories out of the entire book, what would you say?
1: I rated this story a 3 because I like three stories out of the whole collection, <laughs> to be to be honest. A couple of the stories I barely read through, Mr. Squishy, the very first one, I got so bored with that I just skimmed most of it and did not care about what happened. <laughs> um, the Soul is Not a Smithy was probably my favorite. Incarnations of Burned Children, which was the next story, uh, second favorite. And then this one was the third one, The Suffering Channel. I thought Another Pioneer was interesting, though... I kind of faded out a little bit here and there when it started getting into, like, I don't know, just too much, like, caveman-era stuff, and it just got really fucking weird and, ph- philosophy, like, the philosophy of it just didn't, like, make sense to me at some time. I just I just wasn't interested, basically. Heathen. Yeah. Uh, good old Neon. What the fuck? I don't even remember what that one was.
0: That was a suicidal dude with, uh, like, he was, uh, always felt like he was an imposter and manipulating people.
1: That doesn't really break it down to me. he's
0: kind of. It's like, why are you talking about David Foster Wallace? Tell us a story. <laughs> that one, obviously. He like, did... visited the therapist and everything and was like the therapist. Of oh, cancer yeah. And... He
1: was Mr. Superphony. Yeah. yeah. I thought that one was actually pretty interesting. I didn't hate it, I, I was uh, indifferent on it mostly, but I, I thought it was an interesting character study. Uh, Philosophy in the Mirror of Nature, I did not like. Uh, that was the one with the
0: spiders. Yeah it It was yeah, short, did, and did, it
1: was just weird,
0: didn't really have a point, so I was like, I'm not getting anything out of this, like
1: it would have been good. Uh, I'm interested
0: st- in spiders
1: <laughs> that would have been interesting <laughs> if that was the first chapter of an actual story, yeah, um, the next one, oblivion, I hated i absolutely that <sighs> that was, that was uh, other than Mr. Squishy that actually I probably hated that more than Mr. Squishy because I just disliked yeah. everything about that story, um and then especially the, the ending, yeah, the fucking ah, it's just a dream. I read today somebody uh was saying that david foster wallace really loved cliches so like these were all done like oh it's no it was just all a dream like that was very purposeful it wasn't him just being lazy or him just like oh i'm gonna do what they don't expect by doing what they should expect and making the dumbest ending no he just like really liked cliches i guess Uh, i had to research that more because that was just one source i read that from but uh there's people that are um, almost cult-like with their love for David Foster Wallace. So I'm, yeah, I'm not in that camp. Of yeah, I'm not in that camp. And you know what? It's just a bunch of uh, lit bros. <laughs> that are lit in that. bros. I don't know if I can handle it. But uh, <laughs> what was your uh, overall rating of this book and your favorite stories?
0: Uh, I'd give it a three just because, like, I, I don't think, I don't rate it on, I try not to rate books on, like, an emotional reaction unless they're absolutely awful, like that Eric LaRocca novel <laughs> i can't say that i completely enjoyed it or that i necessarily even liked all the stories or liked it overall but i thought it was interesting so and i you know i kind of learned some things about uh pacing and tension and as fu- as much uh fun as we made about the length of certain sentences and paragraphs like i'm never going to take it to that extreme i don't think but just being confident enough to be like yeah, okay. I'm gonna have a two-page paragraph, just like if it if this is necessary for the story with the pacing and everything. Hell, wh- who's gonna? What's the what's the harm in doing a two-page paragraph? It's not like Thomas Wolfe over here doing forty-seven <laughs> pages. So it's like, so I think I'll give it a three because I think it's got some some cool lessons, and you know, it wasn't absolutely awful. And then my top two, top two or three um would be definitely Souls Not a Smithy is one. I think actually another pioneer would be my second, and then good old neon would be my third because the burn children thing was kind of like I have kids, so it was a little <laughs> traumatic for me. Yeah, and I'm like, too I, emotional. I can't like, enjoy this.
1: That's <laughs> what I thought when I read that. I was like, I think Ashley is going to have a, a vastly different opinion on this story than <laughs> I will. I think he's going to have a much more visceral reaction than I will. Uh, I just thought <laughs> like it was good. It but... was good, but yeah, it was disturbing. Um, yeah, yeah. I do want to piggyback on the one thing you were saying. I, from a writer's perspective, did think this was a very interesting and helpful collection because it showed me, I will 100% say, ways of writing that I would never even thought of, like his uses of a window pane to tell a different story inside of a story, uh, yeah. I thought was really unique. Like you were saying about the long paragraphs, there are instances in this book collection where he did use it, where how I would think you should use it if you're having really long like this part of the story is supposed to feel bogged down. So, this is one way I'm going to do it is through the writing. And I'm going to have the paragraph seem very long in one big block. And it's going to seem like you're bogged down along with the characters in the story. Mm-hmm. And he, well, he, while he used that was in like the Mr. Squishy story, the whole story is bogged down. It's supposed to be bogged down, it's supposed to be information overload. And you're supposed to feel. I don't know, confined in the same room these people are in, and you're just like, oh, my God, is this going to end? This is so boring. And that's what I got from reading the story and the way he wrote it. If he wrote that as a regular short, punchy sentences, uh, fast-paced story, you wouldn't feel like those characters felt. You wouldn't be like, oh, my God, who gives a fuck like you're supposed to feel. (laughs) Like You might actually be like, oh, this seems interesting. And from an emotional level, uh, the fast-paced story would probably appeal to you more, and you'd be like, this is a lot more interesting. But... From the story he was actually trying to tell, it had to be written the way yeah. he... I, I would say all the stories uh, had to be written the way they were written. Other than, like we discussed with the seatbelt thing, those stories, I felt, did not necessarily need that level of analytical writing, uh, that that clinical feel to it. Uh, I think that was just, that's how Foster Wallace thought, <clears throat> which is fine. Like, that was his voice, okay? That's how he liked to, to write and stuff. But I didn't think that was necessary in that kind of story. But the writing overall of the story still flowed a lot better. You know, it, it was uh, for a reason how he wrote the like with the poop, and uh, he was actually funny. <laughs> believe it or not, there's a lot of funny parts in these stories. So he wasn't a humorless robot, like it might appear just by you know skimming through some of these.
0: Yeah, it's and like kind of going off your your use of uh, creating effect through the uh, through the long paragraphs. Uh, t- as much as I hate to do it, I'm going to draw back to. Uh, House of Leaves and how oh. he, you know, <laughs> how he hard. structured and formatted certain pages to create an effect and give a very visceral effect mm-hmm. was effective. So I'll give credit where credit's to but I'm going to, I need to go wash my mouth up. I need Listerine or gasoline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said off air, I, so far out of every IRC we've done, I liked House of Leaves the most. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's saying something. Uh, <laughs> but i decided to let you go ahead and pick the next very awful book that hopefully isn't awful i wanted a good book i want something experimental but also a good book uh not that this 50 was 50 ba- shades of gray Yeah. <laughs> not that this was a bad book by any means and there's a lot of people who love wallace's work a lot of people like catcher of the rye which we both thought was just kind of mid you know mm. we we're just like meh but we're also in our 30s and that book was not made for us <laughs> uh fuck what else did we cover we did we tried jerusalem that was a big old failaroni i did the most stupidest thing i forgot if i told you this the other day i was reading the silmarillion and i'm listening to a podcast chapter by chapter while i Mm. read it so uh, you know i don't want to get too far ahead of the podcast and i was getting pretty far ahead so i was like oh, i need something else to read until i catch up with the podcast these episodes like fucking two hours long so i was like hey i'll go back into (laughs) jerusalem jerusalem i'll read jerusalem while reading the silmarillion that can't be too hard I started reading the first page of page, fuck, I don't even know what I'm on, 200 or something. And my head just (laughs) melted. I was like, those are two worlds that should not ever coexist. You should not have the Silmarillion and Jerusalem's writing melding into your brain at the same time. That is just bad. That is Coke and Mentos. That is fucking, that is baking soda and vinegar. That's just, you're just asking for trouble. So anyone who wants to have a very negative reaction to reading. Try try that because that's maybe also throw Thomas Wolf in there too. Fuck it. Why not? While you're going down that wormhole of just hard to read things. Like
0: no joke. Oh you know what I found the easiest way to read Thomas Wolf is if you narrate it in your head with a southern accent. Mm. And then you're like, oh it totally makes sense. Oh way better. Maybe
1: that's why I don't like James Joyce is because I don't have the Irish accent in my head. Maybe that'll (laughs) make it better. Did
0: he have a high Irish accent? He was Irish. I mean, it doesn't mean he had an Irish accent.
1: That'd be kind of weird if he didn't. I'm going to have to mm. look up videos of
0: James Joyce. Maybe he had a voice like, Hey, everybody! How
1: you doing, fellers? I was walking down the street.
0: <laughs>
1: All his characters have Irish accents, though, and he writes in Irish. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, he's definitely not Irish. No, totally. He had a he had an eye patch. He was fucking cool. <laughs> he's one of those guys that's way more interesting outside of writing for me like um i read his work and i'm just like ah he's a good writer i just can't get into this mainly because i don't understand most of what he's talking about but that's also (laughs) because i didn't live in dublin in fucking 1902 or anything like that dublin dublin uh we will end because you got to leave here soon uh david foster wallace was an interesting writer he was an intellectual a mathematician type and i don't think i'm going to read any more of his work anytime soon (laughs) i am taking infinite jest off my list of to read books because i don't i think that'll be like jerusalem 2.0 where i not only struggle to get through it but get so bored that i end up just tossing it aside and waste my money so that is my opinion do you have a uh closing
0: summation here uh no i mean he was he was a troubled dude you can kind of see flecks of darkness and i think this is one of the last things um that he wrote that he wrote except for like he had an unfinished novel the pale king or the white king or something i actually like might that, read that. the
1: pale king i was thinking about reading that but i don't want to get really depressed so that'll be uh yeah if we get into world war three i'll start that because fucking what else i gotta do then you
0: know I'll, yeah you'll need something uplifting
1: yeah i want to you know maybe blood meridian i'll read that again too <laughs> <laughs> well yeah he was very troubled we were thinking about doing an episode on wallace but i don't think that's necessary because the more i read about him the more negative things i see and i don't want to spread more negativity than we already have <laughs> um, i feel like uh, daniel lewski already wants to punch us in the mouth and uh Probably Chuck Palahniuk too. Honestly, I don't think I've ever read a kind word for him on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> and I like the movie Fight Club. But I never read the book, but all I read from him was Haunted, and it was such dog shit. And you read uh, a couple of things. I think you said you read Fight Club. You didn't? Did you care for yeah, that, or it was, was that? Right. I thought you said no, no, uh, no, no. he was very sophomoric in his writing. I don't remember. You said something along
0: those lines. Yeah. Um, that was something
1: mean? Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have. Same with Cormac McCarthy. Good thing he's not on the internet because he would want to kick our ass. And I actually like more <laughs> books of his than I disliked, so uh but that's just me. Anyway, folks, we thank you for listening. This <coughs> has been the inebriated reading challenge. And I am drinking a, a golden monkey here, so I guess I am not really inebriate. I feel like I, I was inebriated just reading oblivion. Um, <laughs> we have a bunch of excellent book reviews, the drunken book reviews actually, uh on the site. If you want to check those out. Most of those are books actually, actually enjoyed for the most part. I think you only have one or two <laughs> negative ones. So, uh, yeah, you. yeah. yeah you can go to dot com to check those out and fucking Spencer, man. I've been get, I got on him last episode. We recorded because, well, it was probably fucking months ago now by the time this episode releases, but he hasn't had, his last article was published in October maybe. And his last actual story was May of last year. And I was like, dude, what are you doing here? Why you what are you doing, man? Um, we're to, voting. To be fair, yeah, he actually did write stuff for the the short story collection I gotta work on here soon. But other than that, uh yeah, go to Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all the stuff that we're on. You can go to that drunken pen guy bot org slash backslash oblivion. Fuck monster poop shit. Um <laughs> sorry, my mind melted there uh (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah thank you for listening if you have any book suggestions that you think we should cover for the irc we try again we try to do more experimental weirder but still entertaining books so uh you can let us know we have a comment thing on every social media believe it or not you can dm us or you can go to again drunkenpenwriting.com where we have a contact page uh and our email and all that stuff so thank you for listening and we'll check you later (laughs)